Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Hello, happy Christmas. This is the Faith in Kids Christmas podcast episode one. Very exciting. Jam thrilled. Yes. Who are you again? <laughs> My name is Ed. You're Jam. That's right. We're here to have some fun. We are. And we're very excited. I've already purchased a Christmas jumper. This is the most Christmassy jumper I think I've ever I've ever worn. I love knitwear. They do. So almost every time of year is a good time for Christmas jumpers. Absolutely. Today, Jam, we are looking at how Matthew's Gospel gets us ready for Christmas. The very first verses of Matthew's Gospel. And although it's hard to work out what's going on here, let's think of it as God's big advent calendar. Yeah. He's just counting off the centuries Absolutely. before Jesus is born. We're going to see how all of history was getting ready for Jesus, not just the 24 days of December. So do we have a whip around question? Oh, please, can we? Mm. Okay. In your families, I would love you to talk about, do you know what job your granddad did? Do you know where your grandmother grew up? And do you know about their parents or their parents? Yeah, their do grandparents. Do you come from a very long line, seven generations of farmer? I, I do. Or cyclist. Yeah. Or whatever it is. So in your families, how far back can you go before you go, I don't know about them? Maybe your mum and dad know a bit more than you do. Have that chat. Okay, off you go. Do continue that discussion later. 
There's lots to talk about, about your family. Ed, your family. I know so much about my family. Oh, my goodness. My dad has got very excited and knows a lot about many generations. So my grandfather's grandfathers. Okay, so there, I have eight right. grandfathers' grandfathers. That's great, great grandfathers. I have eight of them. I can tell you about four. We all have eight of them, Ed. Yeah, we on, do. No, not... we all have eight. Let yeah. me tell you about four of mine. Okay. One of them made sweets and had three sweet shops one of which was honestly at the end of the road I now live in. He, That's incredible. He, he's a proper Willy Wonka. Wow. I know. I'm thrilled by that. Yeah. Another one of my great, great grandfathers came from a long line of butchers. Yeah. And the butcher's shop near Southampton is still there. Drew and Sons. I don't <laughs> think it's now called Drew and Sons, but the tiling is there. Wow. Uh, no, number three... I have a great-great-grandfather who started a salt mine in Cheshire. Wow. So back then, that's where you got your table salt from. God put the salt there first. He started the mine. Thanks, Jan. Very good. And then finally, a fourth one, made pianos in London. On his own. I don't don't know anything more than that. Yeah. So who's your your favourite of my great-great-grandfathers? Well, the sweet shop kind of wins it, I think, probably. But piano maker's pretty cool, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I wish I could make a piano. So we are now getting to that point of the show, which I know people have already been excited about and waiting for, which is a special Christmas Fun Facts Fight-Off. Can we call it a festive Fun Facts Fight-Off? I think we should. Go on, then. It's a festive Fun Facts Fight-Off. So this time we're looking at Fun Facts on Advent calendars. I have the largest advent calendar. Oh, nice. Do you know about that? So we've been talking about how God has the longest one because he's been building up to advent and to Christmas for for thousands of years, hundreds of years. The largest advent calendar, guess how tall it is? One metre. Keep going. Two metres? No, triple it, triple it, triple it and triple it. Uh, 27 metres. Okay, it's 71 metres tall. What? 71 metres tall, 23 metres wide. It was built in 2007 to commemorate, unfortunately not the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, but the commemoration of the refurbishment of St Pancras Railway Station in mm. London in 2007. So um, that's a little bit of a disappointment. But can you imagine if they did put chocolates behind every door, how um, big that chocolate would be? It'd be bigger than you. I want to do the maths, actually. But let's yeah. say, I mean, six rows, that's 10 metres per chocolate. Wow. That's a lot of chocolate. I mean, you could lose yourself. Well, imagine if a door fell open and <laughs> you'd be crushed by falling chocolate. <laughs> what a terrible From way 60, to... <laughs> 60 metres up. Your last thought would be, I've got to eat some before yes. it lands on me. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Can I tell you that it is the Germans who started advent calendars in the 1850s, mainly lighting candles and and marking walls. So I think, you you know, you drew on your window, you drew on your wall, you know, right. 24 numbers and you scratched each one off. <laughs> Children, don't do this at home. We cannot stress that enough. No, don't. I've enjoyed finding out about advent calendars that are available at the moment. I'm going to give you a quick list, Jam. You're going to tell me the worst one and the best one. Please do. Okay, I've got Jam, advent calendars, beer, marshmallows, stationery, posh popcorn, cheese, fragrances and Lego Harry Potter. Okay, well, that's easy for me because that's cheese would win that one. Well, Jam, in that case, you need to have the Ilchester Limited Edition cheese calendar. It is honestly a snip at £10. Do you know what? I actually live near Ilchester. Well, there you go, I wonder if Jam. I can go and get one. Okay. Well, I found two other um, advent calendars that yes. are not included in that list. You can get 12 curries of Christmas advent calendar. <laughs> Why are you not 24? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're just giving you 12 different spice blends, maybe <laughs> okay. twice over. Okay. 
And one, there's a pork scratchings. I, w- I actually like that. I yeah. like pork scratchings. Because also, we like having bacon in the morning, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because you open it first thing. There you go. There's your bit 24 of bacon. Four types. Yeah. That's extraordinary. I suspect it's just the same pork scratching, but I would never tire of 24 pork scratchings. That would be fine by me. Jam, we're in Matthew chapter 1. We so are. it's actually the first page of the New Testament. Yeah. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. We are. Here we go. Now, it's a very long list of names, Jam. And it's Jam reads the Bible, but Jam and Ed read the oh, Bible. Oh, we're both going to have a go. Yeah, here we go. So it goes like this. This is the family history of Jesus Christ. He came from the family of David. David came from the family of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. And Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz's mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed's mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon. We've heard of him. Solomon's mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Manasseh was the father of Ammon, and Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the grandfather of Jeholakin and his brothers. This was at the time the people were taken to Babylon. After they were taken to Babylon, Jehoiakin was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Mathan, and Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Joseph was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus. Jesus... It's called the Christ. Well, that's quite a reading, isn't it? And there's a lot of names there. But, Jam, some of those names you know and some of those names you don't know. And some of those names are just fun to say, like Zerubbabel. Oh, I love that name, Shealtiel. Shealtiel. You, when you walk good. into a room and say, hello, I am Shealtiel, people listen. They really will. Uh, so, for instance, we had in there... These, this is all, sorry, the family of Jesus. Yeah. So it's They're, easy to get overcome and bewildered by this massive long list of great, 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 great grandfathers. But actually, we do know who some of these people are, don't we? We do. Abraham, you know he's the one who had to wait until he was 90 before him and his wife Sarah could have a child. Yes. And he had to take his son Isaac up a mountain and almost sacrifice him and then didn't. And then didn't. Had a, had a goat instead. You know that story. Oh, ram. Ram. Not goat. Thanks, Jam. Yeah. And then there's Jacob. Twelve sons, four mothers. Interesting choice, but those twelve sons, you know some of them. There's a Benjamin and a Judah and, of course, Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. Yeah. Although he's not in the list. But Judah is who sold him as a slave. At best, a mixed bag on that list. What a family. What a family of great stories, disastrous stories, wonderful stories. Jam, can you tell us what we're going to make with this? So if God turned up in your bedroom right now, what do you think he'd look like? What form would he take? God is all-powerful, so maybe he'd turn up as a dragon. OK, that would be quite hard to fit in, wouldn't it? If you've got a really big bedroom, that wouldn't be too much of a problem, although you'd have a dragon in your bedroom, so that might be a problem. What do you think? Well, I think even more frightening if it's God who's a dragon. Yes, a God as a dragon, that would be very, very frightening. Um... He's all-knowing, so maybe he'd be an owl or a dolphin. Dolphins are meant to be very intelligent, although you'd need to be in the bath for that one, wouldn't you? Yes, a big bath. Yeah, sorry, this is getting a bit weird, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. God knows you and he loves you. 
So maybe he'd turn up as your favourite animal. So maybe in the case of my kids, he'd either be a husky or a polar bear. What about in the case of your kids? Turtles. Yeah. Horses. Right. Okay. Turtles and horses. Lizards. Yeah. Now, here's the actual thing. God turned up in Bethlehem in the Christmas story. He came as something a bit bonkers. He came as a baby. A helpless baby. Now, why would God do that? Babies are so delicate, especially back then when lots of babies didn't even make it to be toddlers, let alone adults. And here they are in some obscure country right on the edge of the Roman Empire. And a pregnant woman is having to give birth in a stable because there's no room for them at the inn. Lots to worry about, lots that could have gone wrong, but there's no need to worry. Why not? Because of this amazing long list of names at the very start of the New Testament that we've just had a look at. And what that list reminds us is that God is in control. He's in total control. We find it hard to work out sometimes what's going on and it seems that everything's going wrong at various points. But God doesn't have that problem because he's in charge of all of it. And it's a little bit like cooking a Christmas lunch. And actually, the food on Christmas Day sometimes starts, well, in my household, a year early. Crumbs jam. Doesn't it go off? No, because you make a Christmas pudding actually even more than a year early, maybe a year and three months early. You make two and you put one in the freezer for next year. And this year you make two and you put one in the freezer for the year after. And then... You've got to keep track of which one's been where for how long. Yes, you write on them. I see. But also in October, you're making Christmas cake and you're stirring things up and you're doing all these sorts of things. In November, maybe you're planning all these different things. And in December, in the days leading up to the, to the meal, lots of different things are being boiled and peeled and cooked and frozen and taken out of the freezer and all that kind of stuff. And when the turkey arrives in your house, you genuinely look at it and think, we're not eating that, are we? It does not look appetising, does it? No. No. And then you um, you start uh, preparing it and covering it in things and filling it with things to make it actually taste nice, because turkey isn't actually all that nice, really, is it? Um, Ed is shaking his head at me. He's I love appalled. turkey. You love turkey. Okay, that's fine. But it looks like a lot of things are happening. But it's there, it's only then on the actual day on the actual moment on Christmas Day, you sit down for lunch and it's all prepared and it's all ready just in time. And then there's pudding, which has been, you know, a year in the making and it's all ready just in time because mum, dad, whoever's been in charge of this meal has got this. They're in control. They've been in control since the very, very beginning. Now, I'm aware that some people might be aware of Christmas disasters and, of course, everyone leaves the peas in the microwave. Um, it gets halfway through the meal and somebody shouts, oh, there are peas in the microwave, hang on. <laughs> I forgot and to then, make the bread sauce. And then start handing it round to people who are halfway through and, you know, all that kind of business. But God doesn't do that. God is in complete control. And here he is, thousands of years before Christmas, starting and planning his advent calendar, unveiling it and showing it to, to us piece by piece. Uh, and there we see everything brought together as Jesus is born as a baby. And then as he lives, he grows up and he goes to the cross. Again, it's very confusing and he rises from the dead and then he ascends to heaven. And uh, God is in complete control. So what do we make of that? What we need to learn is don't panic. Don't panic. God is weaving everything together. So when the world seems to be going mad, when your school teachers are telling you things that don't really sound right, when none of your friends seem interested in the fact that it's Jesus's birthday, 
When adults are having big arguments, as they sometimes do at Christmas with relatives they don't see very often, and then you realise why they don't see them very often, and when you don't get what you really, really wanted, you can be sure that God is in total control, always has been, and always will be. So this big, long list of names at first seems baffling. It's easy to skirt over the top of it, not worry about it, get to the story. But actually, this long list of names is brilliant and it shows us that God is in control. So the Christmas story starts the New Testament. And at the very start, that's what looks like a long list of boring names. But it isn't. It's a long list of names, but those names are some of the superstars of the Old Testament. Hearing those names would have conjured up in the minds of the hearers all kinds of pictures and stories. So the effect would be a bit more like this. Welcome back to the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And what a cracking testament this is looking like being. It's very much all to play for. But before the angel comes to blow the whistle and announce the birth of the mighty saviour, really looking forward to that, let's take a quick look back at the first half to find out where this boy wonder comes from. And let's think back to Abraham and Isaac. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. This is really quite remarkable. The long-promised son is going to be sacrificed. This could be a career-ending injury for the young lad. Abraham's got tears in his eyes as up goes the knife and... Oh! Oh, an angel's intervened! He's blown the whistle. An amazing scene here on Mount Moriah. I tell you what, that ram's picked the wrong day to get caught in that thicket. You join us again as Isaac is about to give his blessing and Esau is surely going to be given his inheritance. He's the hairiest, but he's the oldest and those are the rules. But what's going on here? That's Jacob in a goatskin. There's no way this could be allowed. And, and he's blessed him! He's blessed him! That's it! Jacob gets the blessing! Well, Esau's going to be fuming about that decision. It's a cynical challenge from Jacob and let's not forget the mastermind behind him, Rachel. She's pulled off yet another upset. And Jacob comes away with the blessing. And it looks like being a complete victory for Joshua's army here at Jericho. And the only question is whether Rahab will remember to put that scarlet rope out of a window so that she and her family will be spared. And but here comes the cord now. And, and it's a red! It's a red! It's a red cord and salvation for Rahab and her family. Join us here at what looks like a very one-sided affair. Goliath, nine feet tall, yelling obscenities at the Israelite army that, well, are very much not in the spirit of the game. Oh, but who could blame him? The big fella's unassailable, unbeaten in every fight. He's posing Israel some really big questions, and Israel have failed to come back with answers. 
It looks like a walkover to me. It does, but here's a shepherd with a sling called David, son of Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Of course, son of Obed, who's the son of Ruth. That is true, but all the luck in Moab won't help David here as he's getting down to work with that sling and... Oh! Oh, Goliath's hurt and he's down! Goliath is down. No need to review that one. Fair play to the kid from Bethlehem. This one could go all the way. And there we go. Just a few of the highlights from what's gone before. Generations of legends and heroes of the faith and a fair share of bloopers and mishaps. But right now, the stage is set for an epic Second Testament. You don't want to miss a thing. Don't go away. Isn't it amazing, all those stories of the Old Testament, the highlights, the lowlights, that God cooked up perfectly And he's still doing that today. I'm going to pray. Dear Father, when we cry, when we hurt, when we wish it was different, when it's brilliant, when we're laughing, please help us to remember that you are sorting it all out. You are cooking it together. You are making something beautiful out of all of our lives. Please help us to remember. Amen. Amen. We've probably done enough talking for now, so we're going to say goodbye in a moment, but it's time for you to talk. It's over to you. And to help you do that, Ed's got questions. If you're under five, just talk about the last sad moment you had. Can you remember it? Our loving Heavenly Father used so many moments like that, and he still is, to save his world and to save you. If you're under eight, do you know the story of David and Goliath? What about Joseph and his multicoloured coat? Or Daniel in the lion's den? Just talk about your favourite now. Why have you picked that one? They are all woven into Jesus' birth. They're all here. If you're over eight, how did it feel when you tidied everything up? Tidied the toys, tidied the books, tidied the cutlery, tidied the clothes... Do you remember how it felt at the end? That is what God was doing with all the sad, happy, funny, confusing moments of his people. And it's what he is still doing with your life. How does that feel? Finally, teens. If you were going to choose how God would come to the earth, how would you pick? What way would God have arrived on earth if it had been your choice? So why do you think he picked a baby? Let me run through those quickly. If you're under five, let's talk about the last sad moment. If you're under eight, what's your favourite Bible story and why that we see woven into Jesus' arrival? Over eights, how does it feel to get tidied, to put everything where it belongs? How does it feel that God is doing that with your life? And then teens, how would God have arrived if you'd been the boss? So wherever you are, have a chat now in your families. Make sure everyone gets a go, whether you are in the car, around the kitchen table, on a beach. On a beach? We have listeners in Australia, Jam. Oh, we do. And we would love to hear you for episode two. Please come back, drop us an email. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. I'm not sure who... what. I'm pretty sure that at least seven out of eight of my great-great-grandfathers were farmers. That's terrific. Well, you know, and I'm not. Um, oh, Jan, don't be sad. That's OK. I watch a lot of Countryfile on BBC One. <laughs> That's the same, isn't it? That's the same.